All right, good evening or early morning, wherever you're listening to this um, live stream right now on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. I am Aaron James. This is another episode for the Shark City Podcast. Um, Strap in because it's going to be a rather lengthy episode tonight. Late night here in San Jose, California. We typically do get the last word on Sharks hockey here at Shark City Hockey. Um, So just quick preview we will touch bases again on the last two games that went down against the Carolina Hurricanes and the Chicago Blackhawks we will obviously talk about Brent Burns day and Doug Wilson day in Sharks territory Um, I would like to briefly preview the upcoming four game road trip that the San Jose Sharks they're headed to the east coast and you know also kind of want to talk about um, you know, Connor Bedard, who is he and why you should care pretty much, uh, that and much more uh, coming up on tonight's episode. All right. So, um, <clears throat> the South Sharks have yet to win a game in the new threads. The last time the South Sharks went zero and four was in 2019. Um, the last time the Sharks went zero and four in the new uniform was the reverse retro. Uh, David Quinn's Sharks are winless. And he's about to get set to face his former clubs and the New York Rangers. I will save that for a little bit later on. But, um, you know, San Jose Sharks, they've packaged a new general manager, a new head coach, some new players, a new uniforms, a new scoreboard, and still the same results. It is what it is. I'm pretty sure you've already heard this, um, you know, this take because... You know, I mean, it's just the reality of the situation, right? Four games in, not trying to overreact here, not trying to make it like an overreact, um, an overreaction over just four games, right? But long story short is um, Bob Bugner last year was 4-0 after four games. It's, you you know that the Sharks were not going to be um, highly competitive, I guess the best way to say it, but you definitely expect them to win a game. So... You know, this is tough. This is tough. Um, but to keep it light, to keep it light, and to keep it rolling, let's just talk about the last two games really quick. Uh, Brett Burns' day was uh, Friday, this past Friday. Brett Burns' day was in San Jose as the Norris Trophy winning defenseman made his return to the tank just two games into his new season with the Carolina Hurricanes. So I'm not too sure if this counts as like really coming back, right? Like he only played 60 minutes, right? Was it 60 minutes? They won regulation, if I'm not mistaken. They beat the Blue Jackets. Anyways, I digress. Um, Yeah, so, you know, just one game in, the first game for us here in Sharks territory, right? So it's like, you know, in, in retrospect, or like on the bigger scheme of things, the big picture, we only missed him for however long it took for the puck to drop between the last game in April and this past Friday. Um, but same token, seeing him at the tank, skating around with canes, you know, um, across the sweater, it, it makes the trade real for sure. Um, you know, the San Jose Sharks, they had a roster and, um, or excuse me, we've seen their roster two games prior when they played Nashville in the global series. 
But that was the first time Sharks fans got to be, well, you know, the majority of Sharks fans, uh, excuse me, Sharks fans, especially here in uh, the Bay Area. That's that's the first time they got to see the Sharks up close and personal, right? And right away, it's like you you see the changes, which is essentially going to be the narrative or the theme that will be pushed down the fan base's throats this season. I don't mean to say that in a negative way. I'm just simply saying it. it's it's the facts, right? As I mentioned at the top of this program, uh, not too long ago, new GM, new head coach, new players, new uniforms, new scoreboard. It's a new era in Sharks hockey. It's also a winless era for the first four games. So um, pardon our frustrations out there for Sharks fans. I know there's a lot of debate going back and forth, which is why today we will cover who Connor Bedard, uh, Bedard is and why if we should even care as Sharks fans. But um, long story short, you know, it's like... Um, you know, however you feel about, you know, if you're on board for the Tankathon or if you're, you know, like for me, I'm on the other side where I'm not exactly expecting these guys to be like, you know, making a deep Stanley Cup run. But I do expect them to compete for, um, you know, a wild card spot at the least, at least try to get in the playoffs. But let's um let, let's let's digress and let's get a little bit back into um covering the game against Carolina. So, um. The theme this past two games, the Sharks are finishing their, you know, they're winning the first period, right? But the rest of the game, they just, they go into stealth mode. They don't show up. So, um, it sounds like Sharks, you know, they hosted the first game, their first official home game of this new season in 2022-2023 against Carolina Hurricanes. It was the 46th game all time between the two clubs. The Sharks are now 22-19-0-4 all time against the Hurricanes. Uh, former captain, excuse me, former teammate and alternate captain Brent Burns was on the ice for the first time since being traded away during the offseason. Again, I think it's a little bit too short, a little bit too short for the whole, um, you know, obviously he's he deserves a tribute. But um, I don't know. To me, again, it's like we didn't really, it's, it's like you haven't really been, you haven't been gone very long. <laughs> Anyways. I digress. Um, you know, the Sharks fell in the final two minutes of the game. It was a solid game. It was one-one until like you know, just a couple seconds going into the final, uh, the final two minutes, and yeah, you know, they dropped the game. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I will go. I would go into the details and talk about you know stats and all that stuff. But at this point, you know, it's not even necessary. There's zero and four. There's no reason to break down the loss i mean there are if you really want to get into it but i'm not going to do that in tonight's program i just want to talk about um you know overall results um my react you know overall reaction to it you know i mean how, how it seems some sharks fans are feeling and reacting to it as well um but yeah um brett burns you know it's obvious uh, a lot of a lot of fans out there like myself you know we're kind of shocked to see him be the one to move um NHL network radio they have uh, mentioned that they never thought that they would think Burns would play with another team but um Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda they're doing this new program called the Sharks Morning Skate on the uh, Sharks Audio Network and they didn't shy away from like you know the elephant in the room, so to speak, right? So a lot of fans were talking about how EK65, like a lot of fans throw shade on EK65, and a lot of a lot of fans are very vocal about Mark Edward Vlasic. 
um, for you know the sake of just filling in those who may not be aware. Um, a lot of fans feel like you know EK65's contract may have potentially cost some you know solid core players that helped the team get to that Stanley Cup final back in 2016. Some feel that it may even have cost them their captain. And um, others just feel like, you know, hey, he hasn't even played a complete season since he's arrived. It's always injury after injury. So they always felt there, there's there's this like sentiment out there where, where fans feel like they're not getting, you know, um, the most bang for the buck, so to speak. Like, essentially, they're not getting um, back the returned investment that they have in this, um, you know, uh, defenseman. And I'm not saying this to like, I'm not going to. um lean on either side of this argument when it comes to that. I'm just reporting, you know, what's being said out there amongst, you know, fans in Sharks territory. So, um, and a lot of people, you know, they kind of have the same sentiment toward Vlasic feeling like, you know, we're definitely not getting the value, at least according to what the fan base feels right. Uh, but they feel like they're not getting the value. And you know I take that back because I believe Bleacher Report ranks Vlasic as being like the worst contract for the team. It is what it is. You know, some, they, they had to, you know, produce a story and there was 32 teams in NHL, which means they had to pick 32 of the worst contracts for the team. But a lot of people feel the same way. You know, Bleacher Report isn't necessarily like, you know, um, delivering groundbreaking news when it comes to that story. I don't mean that in respect to the whole entire uh, company. I just mean when it comes to the Vlasic thing. Um, and I think that's a big reason why, and most Sharks fans will probably agree with this, um, why Vlasic was like present during this past NHL entry draft. You know, with uh, the new general manager, Mike Greer, it seemed like, you know, the, the statement was that, you know, uh, Vlasic is a part of this team and he's going to continue to be a part of the, the team's plan or their future. And Drew Remend and Dan Rizanasi talked about that and they pretty much said, well, yeah, of course, because of age, right? The big difference between Vlasic and Burns is their age. Okay. So, um, a lot of people forget um, that he had a no trade clause. So he had a, like, you know, he had, he had a team of which he would approve you know a, a short list of teams he'd approve a trade of and carolina wasn't on it um it's no secret that brent burns loves a barbecue he loves to you know haul that um like military styled um you know bag he's hauling it everywhere around he also has some pretty cool interesting stuff he likes to share on his instagram uh, his instagram stories that's for that's for certain but uh, back to the point, um, a lot of people thought he was going to go to Dallas, you know, reunite with Peter DeBoer, Joe Pavelski. And I believe that's like where he resides in the offseason. So long story short is the whole reason I bring that up is, again, uh, Drew and Dan, they, they spoke of the subject. And... Um, I think even Randy Hahn mentioned it as well. Like he wanted to be in Carolina and a lot of it had to do and pardon me if this sounds repetitive, but a lot of it had to do with like Rob Brennanmore and his system and his style. And, you know, just checked a lot of boxes for Burns 
that's what I'm that's what I've heard on the Sharks uh, audio network. And according to Randy Hahn on NBC Sports, uh, you know Burns was in uh, I believe Riley, uh, Riley California, uh, excuse me, Carolina, like within a week looking for a pad. So you know, obviously he wanted to be a cane. Um, he got to play his first game in Carolina. Just for those of you who are curious, uh, just two nights prior before he was at the tank Friday night. So he played Wednesday night in Carolina, um, and he got you know they won, so he got to be you know participate in in you know his first surge. You know, um, where they go into like, you know, the center ice and they're clapping and they're getting the fans all pumped up. And then they do whatever it is that they did that night, the surge, you know, they went and they ran toward the, uh, the boards and the glass and whatnot. You know what I mean? Just something interesting to engage with the fans. But, um, yeah, he seemed to be digging it, seemed to be having some fun. And, um, he definitely, I think, was trying to show his team and the fan base what he got. There's like, um, you know, some highlight reel out there of him, like, you know, essentially like, um, pancaking <laughs> an opponent. Uh, so yeah, you know, um, best, best of luck to Brent Burns, you know, the best defenseman in sounds of his history. And I have nothing like negative to say about this guy. Um, he was solid, um, Wookie, you know, obviously Viking, you know, with that TV show, I mean, don't really care so much about his ESPN issue, but it is what it is. You know, Brett Burns was a superstar caliber player, and the team has a lot of work to do. <laughs> a lot of work to do. Just like Doug Wilson told General Manager Mike Greer during his uh, speech uh, when his banner was raised, which is what we're about to talk about next. Uh, Doug Wilson's banner was, um, excuse me, Doug Wilson was honored in downtown San Jose at the Shark Tank on Saturday night for his dedication, his achievements, and impact on and off the ice as a player and a general manager for the sounds of sharks uh, sharks raised a doug wilson a dw banner that will reside next to gordon gunn the third's banner and the raptors at the tank uh you know forever so um you know prior to the uh, ceremony it's pretty dope the uh, chicago blackhawks and the sounds of sharks during the pregame warm-ups they wore his number 24 um, and his name Wilson on their jerseys. A lot of the uh, Blackhawks fan base are geeking out because those um, Blackhawks uniforms that they're wearing, the reds with the white helmets, they just thought it popped. Not that we care here in Sharks territory, but I just want to let you know that, um, uh, you know, out there in uh, Chicago, they're feeling, um, you know, they're feeling the salute because obviously, especially being inducted in the Hall of Fame, you know, a, a big part of um, Wilson's career was in Chicago. Um, Sounds like Sharks filled Chicago Blackhawks, unfortunately, Saturday night. So, you know, we raised the banner, but we couldn't get a W. Um, obviously, 0-4. Uh, they were entering the game 0-3, just like the Chicago Blackhawks. They lost 5-2. A lot of a lot of fans out there were thrilled because, again, um, a lot of fans out there are... Hoping to land that number one overall draft selection. I don't get it. I do get it. But I don't get it. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, wrapping up the Chicago game. Um, yeah, you know, the Sound of the Sharks began the game hot. They ended the first period up 2-0. to zero, Especially, you know, pretty much in thanks to EK65 Eric Carlson. Showing Sharks fans exactly what he's worth, right? He has to. I think this is like a career year for him in San Jose. If he doesn't, if he doesn't show his worth this season, 
I think, you know, I think he'll definitely be one of the contracts that the Sharks may be uh, entertaining out there on the trade block. But let's just stick to, you know, what a great couple of plays he made on Saturday night. Uh, he led the Shark attack with a beautiful fake shot pass for an assist on uh, Nico Sturm's first goal of the season. Uh, he also scored his first goal of the season, he being EK65. Uh, a little, a little over five minutes after setting up that first goal, so that that was pretty, that was pretty sweet. It was looking like the Sharks were finally coming alive, right? And then, um, again, as the trend has been very early this season, the Sharks won the first period and they went into stealth mode. Oh man! Uh, the Sharks allowed three goals in the second period, and two goals allowed were shorthanded goals and they were less than two minutes apart. So the Sharks were handed two power plays back to back and they surrendered two goals against in less than two minutes apart. I mean, man, this is like poetry, poetry emotion. If you're a Chicago Blackhawks fan, um, so yeah, the Sharks zero four start is the club's worst start. Again, since 2019, when Peter DeBoer is the coach, when he was exiting as a head coach. And for comparison's sake and nothing more, Bob Boudner began his last season as a head coach in 2021 with a perfect 4-0 record. Um, and again, just for comparison's sake and nothing more, with the New York Rangers, David Quinn was 1-2-1 and in his first four games. Um, I believe his last season was 2020 and yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, uh, against the Blackhawks, Quinn Sharks struggled to get a shot on net until like nearly nine minutes into the first period. Power plays fell to score and the team was uh, deflated, I think, once giving up those back-to-back -back, uh, shorthanded goals. So Sharks fans will have to wait a little bit longer to celebrate the first win for the new general manager, Mike Greer, and the new head coach, David Quinn. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how y'all feel out there about what's going down uh, these first four games. If you want to let me know, you could drop a comment in the comment section, whether you're watching on Facebook YouTube or Instagram live. Um, and once again, you know, this is the shark city podcast for October 17th, 2022. We are just about done wrapping up this past weekend in sharks territory. Uh, Brent Burns came back to town with the Carolina hurricanes. Doug Wilson was honored in front of his uh, two clubs pretty much that he spent his entire NHL career with. He's going to have another club under his belt. He is. And it's most likely going to be at a higher capacity than general manager. Guarantee it. Anyways. Um, but yeah, uh, sharks had their home opener weekend, Friday, Saturday night through a whole party, through a whole, um, teal carpet thingamajig going on. Um, still couldn't get the W's. So, on to the road trip it is. Zero and four Sharks are going to go on a four-game road trip. It's going to pretty much go down all into like the New York metropolitan area. Um, and then in Philly. So uh, Tuesday, October 18th, Sharks will be taking on the New York Rangers. 
Uh, two days later on the 20th, excuse me, the New York Islanders. Two days later on the 20th, they take on the New York Rangers. That's uh, David Quint's previous squad. On the 22nd and the 23rd, back-to-back, they got New Jersey Devils, unfortunately, and then the um, Philadelphia Flyers. I say unfortunately because it's back-to-back. <laughs> um, they've been talking about how, like, you know, the travel – that's kind of what the narratives have been talking about lately too. Like how, you know, starting and traveling overseas to start the season in the Czech Republic and then coming back to San Jose, you can see that there's still not adjustment. Plus, you know, supposedly the training camp wasn't as extensive as it would have been had they not traveled internationally to start off the season. And now they're going to go to the East coast and they're going to play these games and another back-to-back scenario, just like it was this past weekend, just like it was the other weekend prior to that. These guys are professional athletes, okay? I'm not a professional athlete, but I remember when I played hockey, like, you know, Batnam, Pee Wee, et cetera, you know, Beer League. You know, there, there are some games where you go, like, you know, back-to-back. You know, you had a doubleheader in one night. These guys are professional athletes. Even, even like, even, like, your fourth liner on the AHL, on the Barracuda, is an elite athlete, okay? So... I don't know. I'm not saying that they're excuses. I'm also not saying that I'm exasperated them. What I am saying is that the Sharks need to start winning some freaking games. And, um, you know, the first this first road trip of this 2022-2023 season starts in New York against the Islanders. It's going to be the 46th all-time game between the New York Islanders and the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks are 22-17-3-3 all-time against the Isles. So let's hope. Let's hope that we break the ice and we get a victory before we show up to the Madison Square Garden to take on the New York Rangers. I think nothing, nothing will be, in my opinion, more deflating than to have the new bench boss, David Quinn, return to his old squad without even having a victory. I really hope that the Sharks could earn one before they show up to the uh, MSG. Anyways, uh, that will also be the 46th all-time game between uh, Rangers and Sharks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and they are uh, 11, they being the Sharks, 11, 27, 3, and 4 all-time against the Rangers. Uh, this will be the first game, again, that the Sharks head coach, David Quinn, will face his former club. Uh, in case you weren't aware, he coached the Rangers between 2018 and 2021 in three seasons he coached 208 games and held an overall record of 96 wins, 87 losses, 25 losses in overtime. Um, so the Sharks play Jersey and Philly before returning home to host the Golden Knights on Tuesday, October 25th. That game goes down at 7.30 Pacific Standard Time. All right. So um, there you have it. Um, Sharks 0-4 they've been um, you know, they've been all over the place to say the least not just not necessarily on the ice but like just uh, geographically <laughs> speaking um, so all I can hope for is that they have a victory in October like seriously I don't see any reason why they can't just so you you know I mean What's scary is the last season 
for uh, David Quinn. I think through eight games, they only had like two victories or one victory. So I think after 10 games, it was 40%. They had four wins. That was it. I seriously hope that's not the, the case with the, with the Sharks. Some of you out there seriously hope it is. Um, you may have heard the name Connor Bedard floating around Sharks territory lately. Who he is and why you should care? I'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, um, the organ is back at the tank. That's what I'm talking about. Nothing sounds sweeter to my ears than a hockey organ being played at the Shark Tank. Now, I'll admit it's going to take some adjusting to get used to the new um, tones, I guess, of the new, um, you know, the new sound that they're rolling with. They're definitely not going with that signature uh, Shark Tank sound. I don't know if that has anything to do with, like, um, I don't know. I don't know if this copyright is the exact word, but like, um, I wonder if that was a signature sound of the previous, uh, organ. Anyways, moving along. Um, <clears throat> so a couple of weeks ago on our Twitter account, and I think maybe on Instagram, you've seen that we posted that the sounds of sharks actually were on indeed. And they posted not the sharks, but like the sounds of your reading management group. I think it's what they call themselves. But they posted a job on Indeed, and it was obvious it's out there, right, that the Sharks were looking for a a new organ player. Um, so what was cool about this, the reason why I'm even mentioning this in general, is um, <clears throat> on our Twitter, um, the individual who ended up getting the job responded. So um, the username is at SealParty6, and he replied to us on Twitter. Kevin Seal here. I'm delighted to say that I'll be playing the Oregon at Sharks games this season. I was there yesterday for the team's overtime victory against the Kings. Honored to be at the Shark Tank. Um, that was back in September during the preseason, obviously, because the Sharks haven't won a game in the regular season. But uh, long story short is, I thought that was kind of cool. That, one, not only did the Sharks decide to bring back uh, the hockey organ, but two, you know, um, the person who ended up landing the gig um, reached out to, um, and you know, uh, replied and reached out to the account, and whatnot. But anyways, um, check out his account on Twitter at Seal Party Six. He's actually uh, part of a band, an art and rock and alternative R and B band, and their debut album just dropped in August. So uh, check out his Twitter page again at Seal Party Six uh, for those who are interested, and give him a follow just because you know. Uh, welcome to Sharks territory. <clears throat> um, so. On a brighter side of things here in San Jose, the Barracuda are undefeated. They are 2-0 and to start off the season. They had back-to-back games against Iowa Wild um, on the road. And that was played Friday and Saturday night as well while the Sharks were um, dropping to 0-4. and um, Tristan Robbins, newly named Captain Andrew Aguzino, Thomas Bordalo, Luke Johnson, Scott Reedy, and William Eklund scored the goals between the two games, which was a 4-3 and three shootout victory Friday evening and a 3-1 and one victory Saturday night. So for Sharks fans that are looking for offense, there it is. I've been saying this all offseason. 
I'll say it again. The hottest ticket in San Jose will be the Barracuda games. Also been saying that Willow and Eklund will start with the Cuda this season. Now the Sharks try to fake us there for a moment. They call them up as like a paper transaction for salary cap purposes or whatever. But um, now that Eklund is in San Jose, some of you in Sharks territory have set your eyes on another prospect. Eklund is secure. He's not going overseas. He's going to be here in a Cuda uniform. We don't know how long it's going to take for him to be the Sharks, if at all, this season. But um, now that we have him here with Bordalo and the rest of the, the future Sharks gang, um, a lot of you out there are hearing the name Bedard, Connor Bedard. Who is he? Why should you care? Okay. Um, so Connor Bedard is a 17-year-old prospect. Uh, out of North Vancouver in Canada. He is a center. He's 5'10, okay? 5'10, weighs a buck 85. All right, so he's a little bit on the uh, the smaller side, as they say. But not that that matters because this young man is ranked number one by the Hockey News by Bob McKenzie of TSN, by Craig Mutaniki of TSN, pardon me. He's ranked number one by Adobe Prospects. And he's ranked number one by Consolidated Ranking. Okay. More importantly, from the NHL.com, by the way, all those rankings were um, courtesy of Elite Prospects. Um, But from NHL.com, Connor Bedard, he's playing in the WHR right now, okay? He's a 17-year-old center, as I just mentioned. And uh, he was fourth in the WHL with 100 points. That's 51 goals, 49 assists, and 62 games last season. He also had eight points, four goals, four assists, and seven games to help Canada win the 2022 IHF World Junior Championship in August. Okay. Um, National Central Scouting, um, Peter Sullivan, an NHL, excuse me, a National Hockey League Central Scout, Peter Sullivan, said this of Connor Bedard, which is why everybody is going crazy over him. All right. He's elite hockey sense, elite skill, elite everything. But when he does get frustrated out there, he's not afraid to give it back, which is a good sign. Skill-wise, he's not only quick, but has two or three gears and is legit. I mean, the most famous player that had five or six gears was Bobby Orr. And this is what Bedard has. He's got a gear that can go from one to 60 in two seconds. He's that special a player. Again, that was Peter Sullivan of NHL Central Scouting. Okay. Back in 2021 of December, back in December 2021, Bleacher Report published this article. Just going to share this in order to understand his skill set by comparison to other elite NHLers. Uh, But back in December, there was the World Junior Championship. Okay. Happens every December. For hockey fans to see the best teenage hockey players, non-NHL hockey players, right? Um, in the world, okay. And um, so 
here's all the craze about Connor Bedard. All right. Um, so it's usually a roster that's filled with 18 and 19 year olds. Okay. So 18, 19 year olds who eventually become NHL stars. Pardon me. Uh, if there's room for like high caliber players who are like 17 years old, they might find their way on the roster. And if I'm not mistaken, that was Seattle Kraken's number one um, draft pick, Shane Wright, last year. I believe he was, um, that was the case for him. He played um, in the World Juniors as a 17-year-old. Anyways. Um, so they say once in a while, which is another way of saying like, you know, um, like a diamond in the rough. Um, there's like a 16-year-old that makes it onto the world juniors and um they're saying that the last person who's ever done this was connor mcdavid okay that's the um elites the elite board for the edmonton oilers that x sharks eventer kane now plays with um but john tavares and steven stamkos didn't make they didn't make the, uh, that tournament at 16 years old. The last person to do it was Connor McDavid. And before him, Sidney Crosby in 2004. Okay, so Connor Bedard will be the next and only um, how do I say this? He'll be the next person to do it, pretty much. And um, yeah. It's, you know, they're, they're pretty much saying that this guy is like a hockey prodigy, okay? When you hear this, you know, this name being thrown in the conversation with names like John Tavares, Steven Stomkos, Connor McDavid, but the, the real, like, you know, the real, I think the real, like, uh, hook and seeker here is being compared to Sidney Crosby in terms of, like, skill set at that age. Yeah, people think he's the real deal. And then you got NHL scouts. NHL scouts saying that he's elite and pretty much number one projected overall by every like, you know, prospect, um, you know, like almost everyone out there that covers, you know, uh, hockey prospects. This is the guy. This is the number one. This is the franchise player. Okay. So a lot of Sharks fans out there. All that to say is a lot of Sharks fans out there are you're hearing out there. They're saying tank for Bedard. I think we uh, covered this in the last episode, and I, I, I'm not for it. And I'll tell you why. Okay, well, first, before I tell you why, let's talk about the odds of landing him. As of today, as of today, San Jose Sharks' odds of landing number one overall is 25.5%. Okay? 18.8% um, of landing the number two uh, selection overall, 55.7% of third overall. Okay, so I know a lot of us, us being Sharks fans out there are like rooting to get number one overall. My problem with that is this, is that it's a lottery. So even though, you know, I mean, obviously your chances, they get a lot better when it gets actually close to uh, draft lottery time. But, you know, bottom line is just because the Sharks, if they tank, it doesn't guarantee, it doesn't guarantee that they will be able to select him. Uh, also, there are other prospects, if you haven't heard, and we won't name drop them in this episode for the 
the sake of keeping this segment a little short. But there are other draft picks, top prospects out there that are coveted around the league. Um, so, you know, Bedard isn't necessarily going to be, in my opinion, um, like if we don't get him, I don't think it's going to be such a casualty. It'll be nice. It'll be nice. I mean, it's always nice to be like, hey, let's get like the quote unquote next Sidney Crosby on our team. I don't, I have nothing to like argue against that. But I mean, in my opinion, like if it means you have to like essentially tank, then, then I'm not for it. Because the problem I have with this whole tank for Bernard movement, if you want to call it that, is that it fosters this like, um, this notion where where the sharks not winning is like permissible with the fan base you know um i'm not for that i think most fans they want to see the sounds of sharks win games i've also kind of heard echoing out in sharks territory that like well if you're going to lose um you know like um at least like be in the game, make it competitive or whatever. I, I'm not all about that either. That just makes zero sense. It makes zero sense on a professional level. And, and it makes zero sense just as, as a fan, uh, whether you're a spectator or a diehard. I am not interested in watching the Sharks like go all out for 20 minutes and then fall out for 40 minutes like they have been for the past couple of games. That just makes no sense to me. A lot of fans out there, you know, just to play advocate here, are saying like, hey, man, I love the fact that this is like two winless teams. And not only did we not win the game, but we let them rack up the goals against. So it's going to help us in the standings when it comes to like, you know, any kind of tie breaking scenarios. I'm not for that either. I'm really not. Um, if there's one thing that we could learn from this last era as we enter this new era is you know what happens when you have so much you know when you have a stacked roster of all these superstars when it comes to the contracts you know Bordolo, Eklund, um Weisblatt, Robbins I mean I could go on and on I could stop right there but you get the gist of what I'm saying that eventually these guys are going to make it up to the Sharks roster and they're going to you know the, every one of them is going to earn and deserve their payday too. You know, and I think the Sharks have just what they need the core in terms of prospects and you know veteran leadership that they that they I think that they have what they need now. Pardon me as I kind of did um a little porky pig impression there. But um Honestly, I think they have what they need to win now, but right now, it's just, it's not, you don't have that melting pot right now. Right now, we have the talent that needs to be infused on the main roster, like, you know, getting their feet wet in the AHL. They're getting their fins wet before they jump into, you know, the Pacific division of the NHL. So I, I understand it. I, I really do, but, you know, um, I can understand leaving our young prospects now in the AHL, but let me just kind of like, um, you know, that's a, that's a whole nother kind of like uh, avenue. Let me kind of get back to where I was going here. Uh, the problem I have with tanking for Bedard is that it fosters this culture of like losing is okay. Losing is permissible. And I know the organization will not ever 
say that they are intentionally losing games for draft position. In fact, I think that they've already publicly denounced that they do that. So, I mean, and I wouldn't expect that any NHL club to publicly be like, yeah, we are intentionally trying to lose games so we can get Connor Bedard. But it's like this, it's this, again, this like unspoken, um, I mean, I really hope that's not what's happening. I highly doubt it. I'm not trying to insinuate anything, but you, you could see it. It's like, it's like this, almost like this, like, um, I don't want to say it's permissible. I don't think losing is ever permissible, but it just almost seems like, like they're not, um, it, it incentivizes not being competitive. That's what fans want to see. Okay. If you lose a game, it's fine. You know what I mean? I don't want to see you like look good losing either. That's not even what I'm trying to say. Like, don't look good. Like, oh, they lost, but it looks so nice watching them lose. No, no, I don't want to see any of that. I want to see a competitive game. I want to see drive. I want to see a team that actually looks like they're trying to play. I don't want to see a team that is consistently turning it over within their own defensive zone or making passes that are carrying them deeper behind the goal line, behind the net. Definitely don't want to see my team freaking surrender two shorthanded goals within like two minutes of each other. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't want to see the short end of the stick and I don't want to see, you know, I don't expect the Sound of the Sharks to raise a Stanley Cup this season. But I do expect the Sound of the Sharks to play like they want to win a Stanley Cup this season. This whole notion of like, oh, the Sharks are this and they're not that and blah, blah. That's old. That's tired already. It's played out. We don't want that in Sharks territory. We've been told it is a new era. You got to show us that. So that's the problem I have with Tank for Bedard. Is that the last three seasons, the last three seasons was being labeled as a rebuild and then or a soft rebuild and then a reset essentially like, you know, it was just, just three years of being like, all right, well, we don't really know who we are. We're going to figure it out. And, you know, here's this process and we have to get, you know, like everyone, you know, and then they give you like these tired, like, you know, these tired played out, like, you know, liners where it's like, oh, you know, everyone wants to see the pro everyone wants to get there, but they don't want to go through the process or whatever, right? It's it's not even the case. It's not the case. All right. Sounds like Sharks fans, they want to see their team win every night, of course, but more importantly, they want to see their team actually look like they want to freaking win a game. And that's all I'm gonna say. Everyone could always drop an argument about how professional athlete and professional coaches it does not incentivize them you know to lose games but hey all i'm saying is i think that whether they win or i mean i'm not you know i'll say it right now you know some people out there feel like hey they get paid regardless right like you're gonna cash out regardless you win or lose not to say that it's incentivizing or making it like, oh, they don't try or they don't care because, you know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's some people out there that kind of feel that way or think that way. And when you put on that kind of performance, you're just feeding to that notion. 
just like you feed into tank for Bedard. Because it's essentially, it's hand in hand, right? It's hand in hand, regardless how you want to see it or how you want to say it. Um, you know, it, it looks like, I don't know. It looks like the Sharks, I mean, Eric Carlson said it best. The Sharks have more character in that locker room. Uh, so they, they need to show it. Uh, especially when you have, you know, ex-teammates making, you know, proclamations out in Edmonton about, you know, like, like, you know, with indirectly calling the team soft. Okay, that's all I'll say. So the Sharks, they need to answer back. That's all I'm going to get at. And um, let's see what happens. So, yeah, that's my problems. My problem with the team for Bedard because I don't want another year, a fourth year in a row of what the last three years were, but with just different face, right? It's not Bugner, it's Quinn. It's not Wilson, it's Greer. You know, and I'm not trying to overreact. It's only four games in. We got to give him a chance, right? But, you know, a lot of you out there, we're, we're feeling it. It's like, hey, uh, some of you out there feel like, and I don't mean any disrespect, but you feel like, you know, some some of these players are like third, fourth, like, you know, like they are bottom six NHLers at best. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. But the reason I bring that up, because the fan base is talking about it, is if that's how, you know, if that's how you feel about them, then I mean, if that's how the fan base out there feels about them and now, you know, feelings are factual, all right? I'm just simply sharing my take. But if that's how the fan base feels about the bottom six, essentially being like you've reached your potential, that's it. That's why they want to see the likes of Eklund, Bordalo, Gushin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, plugged in to the main roster, into David Quinn's system. Because it's these players have top six potential. And some of them might even have, like, you know, top line. Anyways, you all already know what's going on. So, I am Aaron James. You've been listening to Shark City Podcast. I'm about to end this um, episode this evening. Uh, we're going late night in the evening, having the last word on Sharks hockey, per usual here at the Sharks uh City Hockey. Um, don't forget to follow, like, and uh, subscribe for our, you know, um, you know, for live, put live notifications on, subscribe so you don't miss a video. And, uh, you know, check out SharkCityHockey.com. That's where all of our videos are archived. Plus, uh, you know, some quick little reads there. Some, you know, call them blog posts, call, call, call them whatever you want, but some quick little reads to, you know, um, catch up on the action or, you know, to just be a little bit more informed for the game um, that's going to be coming up as well as uh, links to our um, live music stream always going on 24 7 rocking sharks territory and um, you know other video streams and uh, gaming streams and etc all of our links are available on our link tree which is available on all of our social media sites so pretty much if you're watching this video or if you're listening to this audio um, the link should be right there within uh, reach check out what we got I'm Aaron James. This is the Shark City Podcast. Thank you, everybody. Um, you know, happy Monday. Uh, about 24 hours, a little bit more than 24 hours from now. Um, Sounds like Sharks, you know, we'll have another opportunity to try to get that first win of the new era. Uh, let's hope it happens. All right. I am signing off for reals. Thank you all to everybody who's been staying, uh, staying up with me and um, this late evening. 
on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Once again, I'm Aaron James, and this is Shark City Podcast. You'll have a good rest of your, um, you know, your week and your night.